Hey, welcome back to Sister Brunch with me, Fanchon Cox. And me, the show's EP, Christabel Insiabwadi. I'm filling in for Anya, who's out being fabulous today. Yeah, I like, I really, I, I cannot wait to be able to talk about what she's out being fabulous doing. But anyway, we miss you, sister, but also we're thrilled to have Chris here with us today. And we are back talking to you about Black Women Plus working in the media, entertainment, and the arts. This is our first episode that we are recording during the COVID-19 crisis, as well as so many other things happening in the world. Um, but we, you know, we just want to let you know, that's why the sound may be a little bit different, but we decided that we have to keep going because these women's voices need to be heard. Today's guest, I feel like um, this is one of those guests that needs no introduction. And if you don't know who she is, you have been under a rock somewhere. Uh, we've got Felicia Pride and she creates all kinds of different content. She's been a writer on Ava DuVernay's Queen Sugar. She's developing the erotic romance feature film Deeper with Universal Pictures and Will Packer Productions. She also runs her own production company called Felix and Annie, and it focuses on Gen X projects, and we will definitely be asking her lots more about that. She's also the brains behind the Create Daily, a popular resource that curates jobs and opportunities for underrepresented creators. And she says that she created it to, um, in 2012 um, to thrive professionally. And now she's adding director to her title um, with the online release of her short film, Tender, which is gorgeous. I watched it um, and I'm excited to, to talk about that. Tender takes a look at dreams deferred, lost chances and finding joy when you least expect it. And the soundtrack by Asha Santi is fantastic. I absolutely loved it. Felicia, welcome to Sister Brunch. Wow, thank you so much for that wonderful like intro and for this wonderful platform. Um, mm. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Felicia, you you lead the way and um, in that pay it forward. I love how you do that. You are so much about community. You're so much about uplifting other voices as you go along on your journey, making sure that you're always making, you know, kind of giving a platform for other people. And it's just beautiful to see um, what we love to start with here on Sister Brunch is your journey. You can start from like birth or even parents meeting, or you could start from, what was this kind of spark for you to get into the entertainment industry? Uh, well, I am the daughter of Felix and Annie. Um, that's my, what my production company is named after. They are both Baltimoreans. My father's from West Baltimore. My mother's from East Baltimore. Um, and I didn't, I wasn't one of those who knew I was going to be a writer for, since I was five, you know what I mean? Like I didn't, um, and actually I went to school, went to college, at a local college and didn't know what I was going to do with myself. Business sounded like I could get a job. So I was like, let me do that. Um, and had a concentration in marketing because that seemed a little creative. And it, but it was there that I had a professor who saw something in my writing and suggested that I minor in English. And I was like, that sounds like more money, more time, 
and what am I going to do with it? So I was like, nope. Um, so I graduated and ended up getting a corporate job working in marketing and I was quickly bored. And so I was on the internet. Um, you know, this was some of the earlier days of the internet. And I remember I was writing bad poetry at the time and <laughs> Deaf Poetry Jam had a forum. So I posted some of my poems in the Deaf Poetry Jam forum. And the fact that people were commenting on my work, whether they liked it or not, but it was being seen, that really opened up something in me. And so I looked for other opportunities to write and I found an internship, even though I was working full time, it was a free internship at a community newspaper run by a black guy, Rance Huff, called Staten, uh, Black Rain News out of Staten Island. And he would essentially let interns write and he would publish us. So my first published piece in 2000 was the a review of Mary J. Blige's No More Drama album. Cause I was like, I know Mary, I can write. I had no idea about music criticism, <laughs> you know, like as a, as a field, um, which I have so much respect for, but uh, seeing my name and he would mail us the print versions and seeing my name in print, I just felt mm. seen. I, and I didn't know how many people were reading this newspaper. I, I just was like this, I was hooked. Um, and so I did a, a freelance entertainment journalist career for some years. And then I was like, you know what? I want to go back to school and like get better at my craft. And I was really interested in, in books at the time. I remember going to Barnes and Nobles and buying books on how to write books. Cause I was like, I want to write the great American novel. So I went to Emerson <laughs> for grad school, um, studying writing literature and publishing. And, um, I, after I left, I went to New York and worked in book publishing. Cause I still had my foot in like the practical side of things. Um, and it was there actually where I started kind of my service to creators, to other creators. It has always been a part of me. I had a newsletter called Backlist at the time where I would interview authors and I would interview black pub publishing professionals um, yeah. and like review new books. And so I carved out this niche for myself, but I was like, wait a minute, I need to be writing too. So um, I ended up getting my writing career off the ground and wrote six books, one called The Message, 100 Life Lessons from Hip Hop's Greatest Songs, which was a collection of essays about hip hop. Um, and things were good. And okay. I went and traveled with that book and we did curriculum with that book and things were going well till they weren't. You know, book publishing, I think also a couple things happened. I think books became kind of hard for me. They're just, they take a lot out of you. I also, I just, I wasn't sure of myself as a writer at that time. Um, oh. I was getting book, I was getting some book deals, but I just was not sure of myself. Um, and then things just started to dry up for me. And so I made the fatal mistake of I stopped writing. I should have got a job, which I did and keep writing, but I just stopped writing. Um, and mm. I did that for about seven years at that time I was running a consultancy where I was bringing my marketing degree back, doing marketing work for what started out as books. And then I expanded into films and that sort of thing. Um, until I got to the point where I was burnt the fuck out. Like I had this big contract when the biggest contracts my consultancy ever got. And two months later, the project was shut down. And I was like, if I'm going to be broke, I want to be broke like doing, be, being creative yeah. you know what I mean doing I was in service of other creators which is great but I'm like I gotta get back to me so mm -hmm. I remember talking to my um mentor at the time Alice Mayette who's amazing she's like what do you want to do I was like I want to write and create for 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 the screen like I had started kind of teaching myself a little bit or being interested in screenwriting um and she's like well you should move to the biggest market and at the time I only had one feature that I was trained, self-trained myself to write. Um, and it was, it was, 
the day before Thanksgiving. And when she said that, mind you, the whole time I was like, California's weird. People who live in California are weird. It's too far away. <laughs> Even though I would come yeah. to LA, have a good time, it was still like, it's too far for my mama. And I remember yeah, going to my mama fun. house after done. talking to uh, Alice. And I was like, mom, I'm going to move to LA. And she was like, okay. Wow. And I was like, I'm going to move in September. And then I ended up moving that March. So that was, um, I was 35 years old and I moved across mm. country. Um, and I've been here for five years now. Oh my goodness. Wow. And I mean, doing quite well, given that you've only been here five years. Well, thank you. You know what? I think it was a mix of like having done so much spinning of my wheels <laughs> previously that I Absolutely. didn't really come to spin my wheels. Even though the first year and a half I was working in film distribution, which was a connection of the work that I was doing because I was essentially an impact producer. Um, so I was doing uh, film distribution work um, and I was an exec and then I got laid off. And it yeah. was then that, because I was on the path to being a VP and I loved my job. I was going to Sundance for free. I was like, I, and I was, again, in service of creators. I was helping filmmakers with the distribution plans yeah. and getting their films out there. And when I got laid off, it was devastating. But then it was like, okay, you need to get back to center while you got here. And I got very serious very quickly um, in what I needed to do to, my goal was to become a full-time professional film and TV writer. Hey, it's Fanchon, and you're listening to Sister Brunch. We'll be right back. Oh, and if you have not already, you need to follow us on Twitter. And yeah, you guessed it. We are at Sister Brunch, and we'll be right back. Hi, and welcome back to the show. I'm Christabel Nsiabwadi. Let's get back to our conversation with the director of the movie Tender, Felicia Pride. There are a lot of people who are being laid off, right? And there are a lot of people who have been in service to other people, right? And have done what you've done. And that's a really hard thing to do. But where did you find the gumption to do that? Um, I think I got to the point where I was like, it's either now or never. Mm -hmm. And... I got to the point where I was so exhausted of running away from this gift. And that's what I also had to realize is that I have a gift, right? And I think we run away from the gift because of the responsibility. I think we run away from the gift because of the, the promise and the potential of it. I think we run away from the gift because of the fear, right? So I yep. had been running away from my God-given gift for so long mm -hmm. that I was literally exhausted. And I was mm -hmm. like, I, I'm tired. And, and so what I did on the practical side of things was I completely uh, re, reconfigured my relationship with the work. I, I basically had to get back to a healthy relationship with the work because I had put so much burden on the work. Like, oh, the work got to mm. financially support me, which it does not have to do. The work has to make me happy. Like, all mm. these things that I had put on the work and not yeah. on myself. Um, so I was like, you know, I had to, like, make up with the work, like, record the work, like, let's go out, let's go, let's get comfy, and, like, really just get back to a healthy relationship, which meant that I had to prioritize it. The work became the most important thing for me, even more so than than my paying my bills. And what I mean by that is the bills are going to get paid at some point. 
Right. But in order for me, I had to stay tuned to the long-term vision. So I started taking on, like, in the impact world, I basically was a coordinator for an impact producer I used to hire on projects. She had this project. She was like, you don't want to run this campaign? I said, absolutely not. I was like, I want you to tell me what to do for this hourly rate that's enough to cover my bills Mm -hmm. so that I can focus on the writing. Like, that is what I need. And then I also had to reposition myself publicly as a writer because... I forgot, so I know a lot of people forgot that that's how I came up. Like, I was right journalist that's and author, so I had to completely let folks know again, like, I'm not an exec, I'm yeah. not impact producer, I'm not all these things that I would said I was in order not to say writer. Like, I am writer. So that sort of um, just defining it and, and claiming it for myself then allowed me to do it, do so publicly. And then I got like, started taking a bunch of classes, got my portfolio up. I had a career coach that works with specifically entertainment, uh, professionals. So I just got really, really serious, but it was some, it was definitely some hard days, but I knew I was getting closer and closer. You know what I mean? Like I just knew, I felt it. I was like, I am actually getting off this hamster wheel. Um, finally, yeah. after years. I, I, I love this because even, you know, when I said like, oh, five years isn't that long, but you, this is true for so many black women. Like there's so much behind that five years that it looks like just five years. But one thing that I find, and we, I think we have not talked about this enough on this podcast is the balance between your craft and your skill that you love so much and knowing how to market yourself because the, and it, and we especially are, you know, for all kinds of reasons, that's a fear we have of, of talking ourselves up and letting people and being really clear about who we are and what we do. And you are such a phenomenal example of that. How can we, what can we do to help black women understand that, in, that that's an integral part of of doing this work well thank you because uh, thank you for saying that because i i i don't th- i didn't think so for a long time but it actually was my therapist who helped me work through that my black woman therapist who i love dr ty who was like when you hide you deny the world your brilliance and that's selfish and i was like yeah. oh okay you let know, me wow. unpack that okay. <laughs> um and so what i had to do also for me perspective is everything so i had to move away from like me marketing myself because that made me feel uncomfortable even though i see the value in that and me and towards me sharing my journey because i realized that wow people actually get something from me talking about this you know so that's kind of how i look at it is like as also part of paying it forward is sharing the full journey. Cause I think a lot of times, you know, we see the red carpet and all of that, but mm-hmm. like, how did you, how did this even, and I think sometimes even people are like, Ooh, you got here fast. And I was like, no, 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 let me, let yeah, me kind of explain. Like this has been t- 20 years in the making as a writer um, and a lot of ups and downs and, but also a lot of skill building um, for particularly yeah. for Hollywood and how to deal with people, how to be good in a room. Um, things like that. So I, I think that we have, we, it sounds cliche, but we have to get over ourselves. Right. Um, cause a lot of people who are, who are not as good as us be out here in these streets. You're, you're the, for our first guest that has a publicist. And I think that is super important for folks to know. And, um, to talk about right is that you having someone rep you like that so we just talk a little bit about yeah, that I want to shout out Jasu Jasu Sims is an amazing publicist um out of New York she and I worked together on a short film um 
maybe four four something years ago uh and we just worked well because we match each other's hustle um and like and so she gets me in that perspective and i get her she is smart she works hard um and i see the value in a good publicist now all publicists ain't built the same you know what i mean um and it's interesting because i had talked to some publicists around uh really love going to south by and it's really like, oh, well, you got to have this going on. You got to have that going on. You have to. So me and Jasu, just on our on our own, we'd be like, well, what are the angles? What can we talk about? You know what I mean? Like, we, there's still stories that I think can be told even when there's not, you know, this hot uh, project that you have to have. That tells me if you need a really, really hot project, that you're not that creative as a publicist. You're not you know? producer. I'm basically <laughs> just doing the work for you. You know what I mean? So... <laughs> Like I, I, yeah, exactly. So, um, that was something that I, I really, I haven't done some publicity work, but a lot more in the marketing space. I just, I know the value of a good publicist, um, yeah. in order to, to get out. Cause I also think that it's important, particularly with, with, I, I feel very passionate about having worked in film distribution that our projects need to be seen. They need to be seen. All the work that we put in to get something made, we can't just we can't just let it go. We can't just let somebody take over who doesn't care about as much as we do. Like, and so I'm very, 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 very big on how can we make sure that the audiences who we intended and we made this for get to see it. And so that's also why I put my money into into um, this because it's so so important. It's important. What you're talking about is the ability to define yourself. I think the ability to be able to take those steps so you can redefine your relationship with your work, redefine what your career looks like, requires a certain level of um, perspective. Um, and that's not to say that people can't do it. I'm just, I think that our listeners really need to need to hear that. As you're in these creative industries and you're navigating ways to tell your story like how did you do that yeah um and it's interesting because a a lot of work that i did around developing campaigns um impact campaigns for media film books um i did audio podcasts and radio shows um can i just can i just pause you a second what is an impact campaign for people who don't know so it's it's a field that's been around for a while. I mean, I think they're professionalizing it more, but and essentially an impact producer is someone who comes up with strategies and campaigns in order to extend the impact of typically a social justice project, right? So one of the Got biggest you. projects I've ever worked on, which I'm so incredibly incredibly proud of to this day is um, a, a film called Slavery by Another Name, which if you like 13, yes. I would... It, tell you to watch Slavery by Another Name, which is free on PBS. Um, But I developed the entire educational curriculum for that. We went around and did teacher trainings for that for that film. We then also did um, mobile storytelling trainings. Like it was just all this in order to extend the impact of that project. So that's essentially what impact producing is. Um, And I never really used any of those skills on myself, you know what I mean? (laughs) So Tender was the first project that I, I was excited about that I that I didn't even think about it going into it but just like my again my my sort of commitment to making sure that people see our work 
um, I was like, oh, I can kind of put these skills to the test from beginning to end through the crowd from the start of the crowdfunding campaign um, all the way through now. You know, we want to turn it into a feature. So we're looking at how does what does that look like? What is a long term fine? fundraising campaign look like is what we're tackling and it's experiments you know what I mean the shit might not work but I'm all I'm interested in like also new ways and new modes of doing stuff particularly those things that have been typically denied to us or made harder for us so fundraising distribution etc how can we be creative about financing our work and then having make sure our work reach the people so I'm really that's what I'm really interested in um and tender has been a perfect project for that because also just as um as a writer and and we talk about brand right tender is my aesthetic you know if i, I, I and i was so happy that it came out even my yeah. producer my producer was like this is so on brand for you my uh, 20 22 23 year old producer regina who is a dynamo um she was like and then when she said that, i was like yeah this is this is my aesthetic like this these are the themes i'm interested in I love yes. music is very important to me. I want to center a Gen X woman. Um, I want to, to open up our conversations about black women's sexuality and how all the different ways that it can look and our queerness. And um, yeah. so that that was a perfect project for me to really showcase the whole like 360. Hey, this is Sister Brunch with Fanchon Cox and me. A special co-host Christabel Nsiabwadi. Stay tuned for more of our conversation with the writer and director Felicia Pride. back now back to our conversation with Felicia Pride. Your trajectory is exactly that um, example I think that we can hold up for young black women plus to say there's a space for you and you're, you're going to be doing a lot of the work to carve it out and keep doing that because there's a space for you and you can you you'll start to find the other people but and then and then and then you don't have to be pigeonholed you're like i, I am a writer that's what people know me for if you kind of imdb me that's what you see but i'm also i know how to do impact producing and i'm going to do that and i know how to brand myself and market myself i now know how to direct i know i know how to distribute it i know how to turn a short into a feature <laughs> I, and also and also i own my own production company you know I'm like, glad you brought that up because especially with everything that's happening in the world um, mm -hmm. I just been thinking mm -hmm. a lot more about ownership I've, I've always thought about ownership but with tender I was like I need to own this feature like that's <laughs> taking a page out of Ava DuVernay's book um of oh like owning I will follow and essentially yeah. you know self-distributing that making enough money to put into, to be able to be an investor in your second film. Um, so I've just been thinking a lot about ownership and also not, I, I was talking to a friend about this, it's like not always operating in the Hollywood system. Like I, I mm. want, cause you have, the only thing you can control in that system is, is creating work, but you can't control it getting made. 
Um, and so, so much of our work is just not made in Hollywood. And so I'm like, okay, if I'm going to work in that system to fund my lifestyle in order to be this independent artist, that's kind of how I'm looking at it. It's like, I want to be able to continue to make art creatively because I can control the making of that, right? I can make sure that a project like a, a film I'm working on now called Alameda about my mother, inspired by my mother and my sister, my niece, I can make sure that it gets made. Like, I know that's going to get made because I'm going to do what it takes to get that movie. You're going to make it, right. Tinder was crowdfunded, right? So it was the community that funded that film, right? So if you don't have the, 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 the money, it's like turn to the community and it helps when you've built some goodwill in the community. You know what I mean? Where the community is like, we see you, sis. We've seen what you've been doing. Um, and we want to pay it back to you. And that's kind of how I felt. I felt like, wow, I was so overwhelmed by all the people who showed up for me in crowdfunding for that film. So I think it is about making something, um, but I also think it's about sustainability. So that's another thing that I would always talk about with filmmakers and distribution. Like, do not look at it. Don't, it's not just one film, right? You are building your ability to continue to make films. And so that's why I also think it's important as even as you go in and make something, how can I make this in a smart way? How can I distribute this in a smart way so that I can continue to make films, so I can continue Mm -hmm. to make stuff? So that's kind of what I'm thinking about. And, you know, the first film that I sold, Really Love, it took me 10 years to sell that film. I just wonder what would have happened. I mean, at certain points we were thinking about trying to self-finance. I was thinking about a model of like 50, going to 50, you know, uh, black people with disposable income and getting and raising 50 for 50, right? 50 people with $50,000. So I'm still thinking about plans like that, right? How does that look? What does that look like? But I just wonder, had we gone a different route, would it have taken 10 years? <laughs> 10 years like we don't have 10 years to wait on all these stories we really don't right. uh-huh. um and that was literally 10 years to, for someone to say this is good enough to get made when mm. i already knew that you know what i mean <laughs> like, so how have things been for you now with covid and you know what how how have things shifted and how are you kind of coping with all of it spiritually and also career-wise well, career-wise, it's interesting. I'm, I'm on a new show. I'm on Grey's Anatomy. So I'm very grateful to be working and to be learning new, you know, how network shows work. And um, and then, like, a, a, a property that has been around forever. Like, what does that look like? Um, so I'm very, very blessed to be working um, in a room. But I, then I'm still working on projects. Like, interestingly enough, and, I mean, this is purely anecdotal for my friends, but in terms of my writer friends stuff is still happening stuff is still coming our way development opportunities um and then also independent work that we're working on ourselves we're trying to push those things forward um mentally it's been a struggle though um so that's why i had to get back into therapy because i didn't realize how hard how much i was suppressing racial trauma um and just go keep going 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 moving through it until it was till i hit a wall Um, and so that has definitely been difficult. Um, and so I've been also really focusing on, as my, my therapist said, cause she was like, you know, storytellers, she was helping me reconnect with my purpose. She was like, you know, storytellers help us reconnect with our humanity. And that's more important than ever. She's like, it sounds like you're struggling because you're 
disconnected from your humanity. Like, what are the things that you can do? And so that was really powerful mm-hmm. to me. And right. that's what I've been kind of working on is like getting reconnected with humanity, which was like Juneteenth, you know, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> and, and fellowship and all of that. Um, but in terms of professionally, the, the projects are still amazing. Still <laughs> I mean, yeah. So do yeah. you, uh, if, if you don't mind and fully understand if you do, um, can you talk about how, because you, you said you do have a black woman therapist? Oh, yes. Her name is Dr. Ty. Okay. Uh, Blackgirldoctor.com. She's hosting free healing cir- circles on racial trauma, um, which, yeah, so she's fantastic. She's fantastic. I mean, she she helped me at a low point um, around 2018 when I was um, going through some professional bullshit. My father had just died. I was going through some relationship bullshit. And I was like, ah, this is too much for me. God, mm-hmm. I know it's like you say enough on your plate, but this is way too much. And she really helped me through that. Um, and so, because I, I, I don't, it's a shorthand. I don't really need to explain a lot of things. You know what I mean? And I found her on therapyforblackgirls.com. This is Sister Brunch with Fanchon Cox, me, and our special co-host, Christabel Nsiavwadi. Stay tuned for more of our conversation with writer and director, Felicia Pride. I just want to ask about tender. I was listening to you talk about your trajectory and this is a bit of a term, but was that a conversation between yourself? (laughs) It absolutely was. But I would say the aspirational parts of myself. I think these two women are much braver than I am. Um, But it is, it is about essentially a a woman who is, is, is have this, has this tender moment, this intimate moment um, and experience with her younger self, essentially, right? Um, and how her younger oh. self is helping her to um, get back to herself. So the movie is about self-love in the truest of ways. Self-love and intimacy, but also that how that how that self-love can be, um, how we can be reminded of our need for self-love from other Black women. Yes. So, <laughs> so the, the the then and that's why I was like it, it's the morning after like they have this I'm sure it was like some hot wonderful sex I think it was popping but you know I was really interested in the the emotional intimacy that they are able to have as quote unquote seemingly strangers but they're they they have so much more in common than than they mm-hmm. think because of the age difference and class because I like to play with class and status mm-hmm. and stature um but yes yes you you're probably one of the first to say it so directly so <laughs> I'm interested in in why you want to focus on gen x stories specifically well I think that I think if you look at movements right um you're younger in that in that part of the movement right and then life hits you and you get older and you get safe and you get all these things so like when when we were starting hip-hop we were younger and when uh you know baby boomers were going to the civil rights movement they were younger they were young people as a as a generation so you know i think that of course we life hits us and we then we got to think about wait a minute i got these three kids this 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 tuition i got you know it it life just 
all of that, all of that. Um, but I was, you know, one thing I was like, I was 39 in my first writer's room. I was, you know, 39 as a staff writer and that is older (laughs) than, 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 um, typical. Um, and so I think that there's a lot of story, the the conversations that I have with my friends are just different. They're just different. And Mm. I think there's just a lot of space for the conversations I have with my friends with, with Gen X. Um, so yeah, that's what I, that's what I really, why I focus on is because I think there's space for it. Um, and I think there's still a lot of conversations that we haven't seen on, on screen, but I think one of the leaders for me of like that is like Mara Brockakil. Um, she's like the leader. I I love her work so much of like, um, showcasing like girlfriends is like the Gen X show for one of the Gen X shows for me. Um, even in our like youthfulness, you know what I mean? So that's. That's 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 a lot of the reasons why I just think that there's a lot of space for it. I love that you asked that question, Chris, because we've talked a lot, especially with our writer guests, about authenticity, about, you know, really believing in your voice. And you you talked about that some, too. But I also love this idea of specificity of it, that you're like this. This is who I am. So, yes, it's authentic, but it's also there. There are some generational kind of concepts within who I am. There are identity concepts, there's intersectionality, you know, all of those things about who I am. And that gives you so much strength to know that that is your voice too, right? That is your authentic voice is those things that are specific about you, right? That that get put you in a pod of people who are going to really resonate with your work. And not that other people, it's not accessible to others, but Oh, Chris, she's amazing. (laughs) I love that because like even Tender, you know, the reception to Tender has been so amazing. Um, And I, it just reconfirmed how hungry we are. We as black women, black queer women, uh, just the gamut of just wanting to see us on screen. Like, you know it. You know it, but tender mm-hmm. really like had me feeling it in my, in my soul. But what I realized too is like it's just one story. It's just one. It's just one. It's very specific to again my aesthetic, my experiences, and what I want to see. Um, and that's why it's like we ha- we need so many more stories. We need yes. so many more of us telling our stories like it just really hit home for me for that for that reason seeing like go through the release process so i want to make sure that we support you in all the ways that you know you'd like us to and uh so talk about where we can follow you and thank you um so if you want to watch tender you can do so at tendermovie.com we have a lot of exciting um, news forthcoming, which I'm really, really excited about from festivals to some other great initiatives. So if you go to tendermovie.com, you can watch the film, but you can also sign up for our mailing list and be updated on that. We also just, um, launched on Instagram at tendermovie. And then I'm on Instagram and on Twitter at Felicia Pride. Wonderful. Oh, and, and we didn't touch on Create Daily, but real quick, tell us about that. Yeah, the Create Daily is a service I started in 2012 for underrepresented creators. And um, I used to send it out every day, which is, blows my mind. It was one opportunity Ooh. a day. Yeah, one opportunity a day. But now it's weekly, and it's a chock full of tons of opportunities, anything from funding to programs. 
And the goal is to curate opportunities to help us to be able to focus more on creating <laughs> um, so that we can thrive professionally. And you've got your IG Lives uh, chat. Yeah, our IG Lives. We have, it just came back, but so far we've talked to um, Numa Perrier. We've talked to Cree Summer. So I'm really excited. And they're just on my IG Live on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. PT. And it's just an informal conversation called Chats with My Creative Friends. Felicia, thank you so much. Thank you for this. And I just want to thank you, Fanchin, for the work that you do. Um, It is a lot of times very thankless work, but you are behind the scenes, like making big things happen. You're in front of the scenes, calling out people, supporting people. And I just really, really, really appreciate that. And like, I, I just want you to know that I see... I don't see everything that you're doing because I know you're doing so much more than I see, but that I see you. So thank you. Thank you. Oh my goodness. I second that motion too. Thank you so much. Onwards. That's what, that's all I have to say. Felicia Pride, I want to thank you. Felicia Pride, writer, business owner, director, media person extraordinaire and fantastic conversationalist i don't want to mess that word up thank you so much for joining us thank today thank you so much Sister for having Brunch. me this has been wonderful so that was our conversation with writer and director felicia pride go to sisterbrunch.com to find out more about her and all of her projects and thank you for listening to sister brunch with our fabulous guest co-host today, Christabel and Siabwadi, and me, Fanchon Cox. You can follow us on Instagram at Sister Brunch Podcast to find out what's caught our attention. We're also on Twitter at Sister Brunch, on Facebook at Sister Brunch Podcast. And do not forget to subscribe and rate our show wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, that's our- important. Subscribe, rate it, tell folks you love it and share it. Share it with other people. Please, 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 please. So, that they, so they have to stop telling us that they can't find talented people because they're all right Yeah. Um, our show producer is Miss Brittany Turner and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.